0: Rock Elite, a podcast about no effects. Oh, hello, you. We're just two on glue. Ah. Yeah, cool. a little uh, teaser there. Uh, Eddie French and Red Redmond. Uh, I'm not on glue. Can't speak for you, Red. Well, I think drugs are good.
1: Ah. <laughs> And you count glue as one of them, do you? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Now I want to sniff some glue. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not glue. Uh, so we'll just say Ramon songs at each other as a conversation. It's like a dreadful improv game. Um, hello, everyone. <laughs> Punk Rock Elite podcast. Uh, and we're back with a, uh, with a not an album deep dive, but a, a, a record, a recorded music release dive. Yeah, it almost feels like a bonus episode. This one it does because the track listing would suggest an album, like the length, <laughs> the number, of, the number of songs yes. would suggest an album, but um, <laughs> the time spent listening to them really doesn't, which I suppose is uh, uh, which is all right. But uh, yeah, I I think we're just trying to space out the the big releases because we're in the sort of the peak area now. We've done Punk and Troublemaker, we've done Heavy Petting Zoo the next major release, So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes, which I think is probably going to be the next episode. Mm-hmm. But we thought um, because Heavy Petting Zoo is kind of weird and doesn't really bridge Punk and Droblik and So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes yeah, in the way that one might expect a sort of a linear progression, mm-hmm. we thought we'd have a look at uh, a couple of other ones.
1: Um, yeah, and I think the albums or the EPs that we're going to discuss today, I think they give a little bit of context to Heavy Petting Zoo. I yeah. I think I understand it a little more now. Okay. Um. Good. But, you know, I, I think that they're. I think also that NoFX's EPs are like oddly. Um, quite important in their discography i mean like there yes. are plenty of these songs that they still play live and there's plenty oh, yeah. of these songs that find their way or at least one or two songs that find their way into uh so long absolutely
0: and uh, yeah there's there's some of them which basically work as um as as demos yeah more than more than sort of anything else they sound like they're demos which is kind of cool uh because you'd think that if they were on there but they, you know clearly thought no these these fit really really nicely on this album so that's what they did. We're, we're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves we I'm- are indeed yeah how have you been
1: oh i'm very well thank you yeah no i'm all good all good uh busy with work um you know uh no n- you know nothing of interest just yep. you know
0: living a life as people do Oh, I wonder what that's like. No, I've what, been what uh, yeah, yeah, not bad. Um, been uh, been yeah, mainly doing uh, doing the day to, doing the day job of um, building other people's furniture for them, uh, and uh, the night job of doing funny at people. Yay! So you know that's uh, that's good. I can blend those two into something that resembles a life. Provided I don't want to see anyone or do anything that isn't those two things, so you know that's it. I'm not going to complain about uh, doing stuff I enjoy, but uh, I think uh, I think this one is there's a surprising amount to talk about for what is such a small amount of time spent on this uh, on on this particular set of musics. So I think we're just going to jump straight over into the. Uh, body of the episode so we'll see you in half a second and here we are a uh a double seven inch which we're not that kind of podcast usually but uh, (laughs) a double seven inch of hoe effects and fuck the kids
1: yeah i mean and which one of these comes first hoe effects
0: hoe effects which was released on june the 19th 1995 Mm -hmm. fuck the kids was released just over a year later on the 26th of august 1996 so um which is uh interesting uh because the the whole effects uh ep that's a 12 inch ep i've got to say 12 inch and then fuck the kids is a seven inch so the song with uh, the uh, the thing with two songs, that's twelve inch. The thing with what, thirteen? Mm-hmm. That's uh that's seven inch. So that makes total sense. Um <laughs> basically HowFX has got two songs from the punk and era. I think they were might have been B sides maybe, but Oh, the, okay. Um but yeah, so they they were contenders to go on punk and drublick.
1: And, you know, like, I like both of these songs, but I am kind of glad that they didn't make their way onto Punkin' and Drublik. They feel a little bit different.
0: I would see We Ain't Shit on Punkin' and Drublik a lot yeah, more comfortably of, of than Drugs Are Good. I still think they probably made the right call in general. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Dr- Drugs Are Good feels more heavy petting zoo, I've got to say. yeah very much so um i mean i think
1: there are a lot of uh tracks on today's episode that feel
0: uh very heavy petting zoo when i say feels very heavy petting zoo that is not just like a a slang way of saying dog shit because i don't (laughs) think that i know you've heard if you've heard our heavy petting zoo review it may sound like we're particularly down on the album i think that sonically and sort of stylistically it it makes much more sense as a heavy petting zoo uh, song than it does a punk and drublick song mm. without any judgement on that just a purely objective sound comparison i just want to point that out yeah they
1: just they, they sound more raw than punk and drublick i still think that uh, particularly at this point in their career punk and drublick sounds quite a lot different to everything else that they've released like it sounds slightly more um well but it sounds better produced um and like this stuff is a little bit more rough around the edges it
0: it sounds more obviously produced yes in that it it. you can hear a greater degree of sort of efforts of separation of clarity than even of white trash which which is which has all of those things but it's not as cleanly produced maybe it's not as, as slick that's not the right word really but that kind of vibe doesn't have that um the fat sound, yeah, absolutely, basically. um and so, yeah, so how Effects, that was uh I think the record was um what well, it says here on Wikipedia uh eight thousand three hundred copies were made, one thousand were picture discs, and the other seven thousand three hundred were randomly colored splatter. <laughs> So there you go. So, and that's the thing. I think, um, I think Mike certainly has always been very, very keen on stuff that only some people can get, like little extra bonuses. Yeah. Cause I think even on the, cause both of these songs you can listen to on 45 or 46 songs that weren't good enough to go on our other records, mm-hmm. which is a lot of EP um, and stuff like that. But I think that on most, on a lot of the EPs, I think there was like one song left off each one. So there was still some scarcity value to the EPs. I, I think I read that somewhere because people were going, oh, we bought these and now they're, now everyone can get the songs. Like, yeah, not this extra one, though. <laughs> so I had heard all of the songs on Fuck the Kids and "How FX before because I own the uh, the the rarities B sides and seven inch collection, but uh, I don't know which ones are missing. So yeah, HoFX, effects uh, it's uh, it's called that because they've got a picture of the band, a rare photograph of the band with Don Ho in Hawaii.
1: Yeah, were they performing out in Hawaii just on the same evening as him? Or
0: I'm guessing that they were. Uh, yeah, they were probably out in Hawaii doing a show and for whatever reason Don Ho was there and they went, oh, this is good. And then one of them probably looked at the picture and went, oh, look, it's Ho effects. And they went, that'll do. My guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure it's something as silly as that. They, I I think it's a really funny photo as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I really do. Uh, I think it's very funny. And also that makes more sense than them going Ho effects. Now, what would the cover of that look like? Yeah.
1: Quickly to Hawaii. Yeah, exactly right.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm 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 talking to American Airlines as we speak. You know, it's, <laughs> it seems unlikely, doesn't it? But I'd love it if that was the case. You know, the <laughs> the nineties was good to punkers. They they could make a bit of money on uh, in the nineties, so maybe they were just splashing the cash. Hey, if we do it for this, it's a tax write off, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so what did you think of uh, We Ain't Shit and Drugs Are Good?
1: Yeah, I think they're 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 good. Um, you know, I, I, I think they ain't shit. Um <laughs> and I mean I, I prefer Drugs Are Good to We Ain't Shit. I think We Ain't Shit a good a good start, but I think Drugs Are Good is like a really, really good no effects track. Wow. Um, and I, it was I... lovely to hear it live as well for their last Leeds
0: show. I was surprised to hear it live, I must say. Um, it's not one of my favorite. I, I feel the, the, the exact opposite. I, I really like We Ain't Shit. Uh, mm-hmm. also, I think We Ain't Shit is being said in, um, the way that means we're not very good.
1: Sure. Oh, okay. A double it, negative.
0: Yeah, it's like, um, it's, it's sort of like, bitches ain't shit. <laughs> it's that kind of <laughs> meaning. And it's, um, it's really funny. I heard, I heard someone talking about i can't remember what it was it might have been on um, oh krista makes from less than jake he's got a podcast where he interviews people about songs that they've written and like a songwriting breakdown and very very in-depth and nerdy it's called krista makes a podcast i enjoy it a lot and he was talking to somebody who was using the phrase um oh yeah this ain't shit meaning that isn't anything to concern yourself with but then he started using it in the opposite way because he started going, the thing is, is that, you know, it's like, oh, there's a line in here that says teachers ain't shit. The thing is, is there are some teachers who are shit and they should be celebrated. I'm like, <laughs> and it just, just doesn't work backwards. It was just, <laughs> it really made me laugh. Um, but yeah, so we ain't shit is is no effect. Because if you look at the, um, look at the lyrics, they're like, you know, talking about how, yeah, we're, we're well aware We just play the same four chords over and over. We know we're washed up old men. We know, you know, we take up too much space. We're, you know, a professional disgrace, all of this stuff. So it's sort of, I don't know. I like it. I also like the the, the music as well more than um, drugs are good. Sort of, it's a bit ploddy for me. I don't know.
1: And I feel like, you know, after Heavy Petting Zoo, I don't know, like because i feel like this has elements of heavy petting zoo in how like uh rough around the edges it is like the recording feels a little bit more raw than uh you know punk and drublic for instance yes. but i think the songwriting is here which i don't i can't find the song the usual songwriting brilliance of no effects i just don't see it on uh, heavy petting zoo sadly. right
0: yeah well the thing is this was this was basically the this was released like a, a month before punk and Drublik.
1: ah. so
0: but again it was limited very limited so it must have only really sold in california
1: yeah oh i didn't know this came out before i thought it was slightly after
0: no no no. this one came out a month before so it's probably recorded at the same time sure yeah. is what i would suspect this was part of the 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 punk and Drublic sessions
1: yeah so, so interesting that it sounds quite different to the stuff on punk
0: and Drublic. Which might be why it didn't find its way on there. Mm, yeah, it might have just not sat with the rest of it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think um, I don't think I'd use either of these songs to introduce anyone to NoFX. But no, I uh, I'm glad I listened to them. I had a, "Drugs Are Good" is used um, on one of the secret tracks. Howard Stern is talking about how shit they are.
1: Yes, because there is also, um, there's a great recording of them playing Drugs Are Good live. And uh, there's a couple great bits in it. Uh, There's a bit where like they're doing like, I think the guitar intro and uh, El Jefe just (laughs) does the bit from the Howard Stern show where he's like, no effects, no talent more (laughs) likes, says that like over the intro. But then there's also another brilliant bit where they're heading towards the second chorus and El Jefe spots a security guard on the front, um, and he pretends to uh, polish his head like it's a bowling ball. And it makes Mike laugh so much that he completely fucks up the second corner. So,
0: <laughs> no, you see, that is peak no effects
1: for me. That's, I that's on uh, YouTube, so I would recommend people having a look at that. if they
0: Have a to. look. Drugs are good live. You'll find it. Um, that's very, very funny. <laughs> yeah, the... Um, I don't know a lot about Howard Stern. He's not really a uh, a figure in UK culture. I'm aware no. of um of what he does and and all the rest of it, but um he sounds like an American Chris Moyles to be honest. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I'm I'm going to give him slightly more credit than that because uh knowing as little as I do about him, to say that about someone is a very, very scathing uh, thing to say. But I, I just, Now, bearing in mind, I have no real
1: formal knowledge of Howard Stern, but just whenever he seems to come up in conversation, uh, bearing in mind, as Eddie said, not really a part of like, British culture. Nope. Uh, but every time he comes up, it's always like, you know, uh, it reminds me of, you know, in The Simpsons, an uh, old man yells at cloud. It's <laughs> just always something that he's furious about that doesn't really matter.
0: Yeah, I think I think he might be one of the ones that um shock jock that term was sort of yeah invented about. But I mean, I don't quite get the appeal if what he does, he hears drugs are good by no effects, which is a weird song. Sure. But the best he can do is go no fx. No, no, talent. It's... Got got him. Yeah, zing. <laughs> it's up there with fucking Gordon Ramsay, who thinks he's the most cutting man in the world, where he's like, oh, salad, more like crap salad. Fuck off, Gordon. <laughs> I, remember, I once saw Gordon Ramsay, I once saw a, a thing, right? Gordon Ramsay was sat there, he'd ordered the crab cakes, right? And and he didn't like them, surprise, surprise. And he went, crab cakes, more like shit cakes, more like shit crab cakes. I was like, "It was right there, Gordon." Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with you, you? So it's yeah. So so it's that level of of fucking appalling. Um, you know, zingers off. You know, off the cuff shit. So I don't know. He may he may be a fucking genius. I don't know. I uh, I think part of the appeal of Howard Stern, from my very vague understanding, is he used to get pretty good guests on. Right. Um, people like to go on there. And the interviews were unusual and they weren't like run-of-the-mill things. So it, it, you got a more interesting thing out of it. I think, um, what's his name? Billy. <gasps> he does the voices of like Fry and. Um, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Professor Farnsworth and Ren and Stimpy and all of those ones the voice actor anyway he did a lot of voices on um Howard Stern and stuff like sort of prank call-y kind of things which i'm not very fond of but they would have been at least performed well if he was doing it
1: yeah oh, I've absolutely
0: forgotten the guy's name but yeah he's like the, the the one of the best us voice voice artists anyway so that's how effects and it fits in yeah it fits in between uh white trash and punk and droblich and yeah it they it doesn't feel like those songs really belong on either album does it
1: no yeah so i i think um as we've said you know i think it makes sense to put them on their own release here yeah um and you know i'm not normally a fan of two track eps i'm kind of like oh why don't you write three more songs (laughs) yeah yeah but in this case i think it works
0: yeah it's fine and again it this This wasn't a release for sort of anything more than particularly hardcore fans, I suppose, because it's just, you know, they made less than eight and a half thousand copies. So this wasn't, this was just one of those things that uh, they like to do. So not really much to be uh, to say on that. I mean, um, it's funny that a non-drug taking Mike writes a song called Drugs Are Good, making fun of people who take drugs. And then, (laughs) and then became the mic of today. (laughs) And now sings this unironically. It's interesting that you could if you I suppose if you make a song that sarcastic, you can just take the sarcasm out. And it is just straight up, you know how when Jim Davidson steals ironically racist jokes from modern comedians, (laughs) takes away the uh, takes away the uh, irony and sarcasm. And all of a sudden, it's just a straightforward racist opinion and he loves those uh, anyway that's <laughs> that's how effects hello everyone eddie here red and i hope you're enjoying our show if you have been and would like to help us make it a little more easily then you can donate to us at our coffee page which is ko hyphen fi.com forward slash punk rock elite or you can look in the show notes for our link tree If you can't help us financially, we totally understand, but would love it if you spread the word to other people who would like this podcast. We thank you for your continued support. We massively appreciate it. Back to the show. A little more to talk about with the second EP, which was... uh, Now, let's have a look here. Fuck the Kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, Great name for something you're going to release. (laughs) Um. Which is very, very clever. Um, So this was released... um, Let's have a look here. It It was recorded on... Oh, let's have a look here. I just want to compare these. Okay, so Heavy Petting Zoo was recorded in October 1995. Okay. And it was released on the 31st of January
1: 1996.
0: Okay. Now, Fuck the Kids was recorded... On April the 13th, ninety six, and mm-hmm. released August 1996. Oh, uh, okay. So that's sort of interesting because it's, it's only a, a few months after the release of Heavy Petting Zoo that they're back in the studio for one day.
1: I wonder if they, because obviously we're not the biggest fans of Heavy Petting Zoo, I wonder if they weren't the biggest fans of Heavy Petting Zoo.
0: Um, it's possible. It might be. I know um, Mike has said that he feels that Heavy Petting Zoo is very much overthought, very, you know, overproved, I think. They they spent a lot of time on it. Yes. And And that that's probably influenced how it's turned out.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, this album or this EP is the complete antithesis to that. Because of the the nature in which it was recorded and written.
0: Yes, so we've got 13 songs. I'm going to call it 12 just because Fuck the Kids and Fuck the Kids 2 are the same song. (laughs) Just... And, two and song different is takes. a strong word. The, the 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 two different takes of that. Um,
1: five seconds of music.
0: <laughs> yes, in total. So. So yes, yeah, so, but we've got we've got thirteen tracks. The first two are two takes, and I think that I really like this EP.
1: Oh, okay. I'm sure. going to
0: say that straight up. I really, really like it. I can absolutely understand why some people would not, but it, it certainly
1: grows on me. I do think of the two EPs we've listened to. I prefer uh, How Effects. I know it's only two songs, but I, mm. I just think that they're they're bangers. Um, and there's not, um, you know, like there's good songs on here, but you know, my favorite songs. I think that there are better versions available. <laughs>
0: Yes, absolutely. I, I favor, because the, the, we've got three on here. Three? Yes, we've got three on, no. Two? Two. We've got two on here from um, So Long, in the form of I'm Telling Tim and Murder the Government. Mm-hmm. And both of those, I think the versions on So Long are better. Yeah, I mean, like they, I, th-
1: I think in those instances, like this really does feel like you know the demos,
0: yeah, of of those songs. I mean, for there's the there's a couple of musical arrangements different in I'm Telling Tim. It doesn't have the slow down halftime bits towards the end. It doesn't have the Mel yell doing the counter melody on it.
1: Yeah, and, and it's that- the same with Murder the Government. There's a couple like uh, backing vocals that aren't there on this version
0: yes and i think the uh there are some lyrical and maybe slight melodic differences yeah uh, as well which i like i I think it's interesting that a band can take a song and go we didn't do that one quite the justice it deserves let's tidy it up
1: i don't think we've um so like this ep uh, my understanding is like this was written and recorded very quickly and yeah. basically the first take the first successful take they did of each song ended up on this ep so like yes i mean that that's what i uh, mean when i say this is the complete antithesis of heavy petting zoo which was yeah. an album where each song was labored over for you know days weeks etc yeah uh, these this was very much get in the studio i've written these songs i, I don't believe the other members had Uh, even heard the songs that Mike had written before going into the studio. No, no, no. They
0: they were introduced to it as they were taught it. Right. And then the first take they got through without severely fucking up was used.
1: Yeah. And I think you can hear that, like not um, in a negative way, actually in quite a positive way. There's like an undeniable energy about the
0: CP. That's the, yeah, that's the thing. Again, this isn't something I'd introduce about someone to NoFX, no effects unless i knew that they liked sort of unprocessed sort of hardcore yeah music and if they did i'd go well maybe this is sort of no effects in their purest form i think it's basically stopping the band and possibly mainly mike from getting in their own way yeah Absolutely. I think they felt Heavy
1: Petting Zoo was a little bit overthought, so they decided Mm. to underthink this one.
0: And I absolutely think that um, no effects under a time constraint or no effects not being allowed to dwell is the best no effects. Mm.
1: And I wonder if there's like anything in... Obviously, this album is called Fuck the Kids, and I feel like are they almost railing against a lot of the punk that was out at the time, which was overproduced and, um, you know, overthought, and they're trying to make a point of, like, you can just get in a studio and and do it. You know, you don't need all this extra shit. You don't need weeks in a studio. You can just go and make music and release it.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe someone said to them, um, oh, well, um, are, are the kids going to buy that? Maybe mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe, you know, like go, oh well, after heavy petting zoo we thought maybe we'll just go in and just sort of just tear through the songs. First first one to you know, first one across the finish line wins. You go, yeah, yeah but are the kids gonna go for that? Go, Fuck the kids. <laughs> maybe that was it. Yeah, I think that might make sense. And I think that's uh, that seems like a um seems like a sort of um a, a no effectsy kind of um, attitude, I suppose. It's, uh, I, I, I think it's really good. So, so we got "Fuck the Kids" and "Fuck the Kids 2, which is essentially a single track of two takes. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you can tell a huge difference between the first and second, I don't know, but I mean, there there is a little bit. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm telling Tim, which is the first proper song on this. Uh. EP, uh, it's really, really good. I mean, it it's, is, it's, it's yeah. just a great song, anyway. Uh, there's some little differences uh, that you, this one mentions Gilman Street, and the "So Long" version doesn't. Um, you know, so so let me see. So, "Fuck the Kids" was released in August '96. Oh wow! And uh, "Have and So Long" was released in uh, on the 11th of November '97. Sure. So they okay, so they released "Fuck the Kids," and then it was a year after the release of this that they went in to record so long,
1: oh okay, and so... you know it's interesting to hear one of my favorite tracks off of uh so Long here in its sort of like embryonic stage, you know, like uh. Given the the way these songs were written and recorded, I, I find that really interesting because I, I think I'm telling Tim is a is a great you know quintessential NoFX track, but it's so interesting to hear it here, just like the bare bones of it, you know, taught to the other members in under twenty minutes and and just recorded and put out there.
0: Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I really really like the uh, the approach to it. I think it. I think it serves everything really, really well. Not all of these songs are great, but I think the. I think the immediacy of it all overrides a lot of the quality issues regarding the songwriting. I can see why only two of these songs made it onto so long. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, like, I don't think that we. You know, you. I'm I'm glad that they expanded on a couple of these songs, but I, I don't feel like we need to do that on all of these. Um, yep. one thing that I do think is quite interesting is like, this is no effects without, uh, like the bells and whistles. Like this mm. is no effects without guitar solos. This is no effects without harmonies. Uh,
0: there's no, there's no, there doesn't appear to be any harmonies. There's no scar. There's no horns. Mm-hmm. There, uh, there may be a solo here and there maybe, but not, you know, just an improvised solo. Yeah. Um, there's um some of these songs are sort of serious some of them are not you know my name is bud is done seriously but it's just i think there's another name for this song which is my parents smoke too much pot <laughs> um about this kid called bud whose sister's called mary jane it it's it's fine but the thing is is that because it's not done in like a comedy way and the lyrics aren't particularly clear mm. You can just hear it as a straightforward hardcore song. Yeah, absolutely. And the Reagan Sucks is good because Melvin starts singing that one. And uh, and then it goes into um, Mike singing a more melodic thing. It actually sounds a bit like Six Years on Dope. It's got yeah, uh, six years on dope energy long before it, uh, which is cool. Um, yeah. Please stop fucking my mum. I mean... Yeah, I mean that's one of my favorite tracks
1: on here. It might even be it, my favorite track on here. it.
0: It is pretty good. Um, it's funny because it's got the most Blink One Eight Two title of a yeah of a No Effects song. Um, and yeah, I think uh, a lot a lot of these uh, are very good. The only one I hadn't heard before because it's not on the forty five forty six is um, Stupid Canadians, and I've got to say having heard it sure but is uh, that
1: does eric melvin sing on that one uh
0: i think that's eric melvin versus pcp
1: oh are you sure because i I, uh, I i don't know
0: i can't remember to be honest um i listened to this about three times in the car this morning as i uh, was driving back from taking my girlfriend to work and um it's uh yeah, some of these stick in a little bit more. Um, uh, posure I like that one as well. I to me, that- I, th-
1: I think it's Posier, Uh It's definitely one track on this album, but I'm pretty sure it is Posier. Uh, it starts and it sounds like... Um, um, It sounds exactly like a Dead Kennedys track off of Fresh Fruit and Rotting Vegetables. I think it's Looking Forward to Death. It sort of has the little... Uh, it starts with 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 a bass line that sounds quite similar.
0: Oh yeah, very possibly. Mm.
1: And um, and I've I've you know uh, I think a few early NoFX tracks sound a little bit like Dead Kennedys from that era, and I'm not complaining at all. I think that's one of my favourite punk albums of all time.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I think there is there's a a bit more Dead Kennedys because Mike talks a lot about uh, rich kids on LSD Mm -hmm. uh, and um, bad religion as being sort of the big influences. But there are lots. Yes, and I think I also think you know Dead Kennedys probably influenced a lot of the bands that Mike also likes. You know, it's that kind of thing because Dead Kennedys were super early. They were like '78, I think, was their first. When it's crazy, start. isn't
1: it? That they feel just like miles ahead of so many artists around the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah, they they sort of, and with the more sort of Frank and Christy, um, "Give me convenience, give me death," sort of basically invented hardcore.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think No Effects. I mean, you can really see the lineage from Dead Kennedys to No Effects with that sort of like, um, you know the. It's quite satirical. A lot of their songs, you know, their songs are arguably funny, but also, you know, go hard.
0: Yeah. I think Jello's, um, sense of humor and his approach Mm -hmm. to things, which is to say something you don't agree with in a stupid voice. Um, (laughs) he and Johnny rotten, very, very similar approaches to humor. Um, uh, you know I kind of think, wow that's good good because our favorite ronald reagan is president <laughs> well, mike has said that for so long and i think we can sort of because this has got some so long songs on it we can sure. in that sort of period the post zoo pre to so long um He said that he sort of gave himself 20 minutes to write each of the songs on um, So Long. Mm -hmm. And that that prevented him from overthinking. Now, I'm sure that those songs got changed as they went around. But that initial thing of, this song's going to take me 20 minutes. Sit down, pick up the guitar, chug out some chords or whatever. And whilst that's probably a great story a great thing to say the point of it was to greatly reduce the amount of time dwelling on a song and just going does this song sound good yes okay i'll keep it no all right well i'll change it or i'll do something different
1: yeah it's almost like an experiment um you know like it's uh, you know i feel like this ep is
0: them, you know, it's they're throwing shit at a wall. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what it, it yeah. sticks. Yeah. It sticks more <laughs> often than it doesn't, I've gotta say. And I love that because I also I also love watching work in progress shows by comedians. Yes, and that I is also, what this is, isn't it? It is. It's a work in progress show. I also love improv when it's done by good performers. You know, it all of these things that are just like, well, we're doing it, so it's just going to happen. We've just got to carry on doing it.
1: It's it's like um, going to watch No NoFX
0: uh, perform at a free fringe venue. Yeah, basically, yeah. They go, <laughs> right, um, we've got a new album. Um, we don't know whether it's any good, so we're just going to play it. Put yeah. some money in the bucket at the end if you think <laughs> it was any good. And I think that's... And I find that hugely appealing. As a... As a person who does creative things professionally and personally, I find that very appealing. I don't know if that's as appealing to people who are primarily consumers of creative projects rather Mm. than the creators themselves. I don't know. I'm trying to say that in a way that doesn't sound dismissive to people who don't do that, but there are tons of people who don't and I'm not denigrating. I'm just saying there are people who are dead into music, never made any, aren't particularly interested in making any. I'm wondering if this is sort of thing is as interesting to them as it is to people who do make music or whatever creative endeavours.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, actually.
0: Um, yeah, definitely because I think with it's interesting isn't it because I think with with rock music and I'm using that term to to be as broad as it sounds Uh it seems that do you think a higher number of fans a higher percentage of rock music fans actually play music themselves than say pop fans for example I mean, potentially, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably um, it just, that's probably it, true. It feels true, doesn't it? But I've got no evidence with which to back that up.
1: <laughs> well, I, I suppose a big difference is, you know, rock music is generally made with guitar, bass, drums, and vocals, whereas pop music is made with a vocalist and maybe a producer. Um, yes. And computers so,
0: and synthesizers and yeah. uh, that kind of thing i mean i mean pop music used to be made you know if you're talking like if we're going back to like motown stuff mm-hmm, yeah. but you know broadly speaking people who've been into that kind of stuff got no interest you know i like i didn't know like when i was at school all the fans of rock music this is some real fucking um Uh, anecdotal evidence here so any scientists listening I am aware of it don't worry I'm not (laughs) trying to prove anything with this but just from the perspective of when I was at school all the kids who liked any form of rock music all of them at least owned a guitar sure or a bass or something whether they played it for more than two weeks with any regularity I don't know but the the idea of being able to make it or just recreate it yourself was sort of part of the appeal, whereas the people who were into, like, the R&B of the era, apart from, like, half-heartedly singing along to it a little bit, none of them had any real sort of drive, it would appear, to sort of be involved in the creative side of it. They just liked consuming it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just wondered whether it was a... More of a rock thing to be that kind of—I don't know, I don't know—but that's why I think you know these sort of raw listen. You can hear them discussing stuff, going, "Oh, I fucked up." Oh, what was that? You know, the chat and the mucking around and the sort of checking levels of guitars and stuff whilst the recording's going on. Yeah, is super interesting to me because it feels it's like somewhere between a live experience and a recorded experience to an extent because I think generally they try and record all of the music at once as a band separated in different booths and stuff but a lot of records are made right we've got the drums down now bass player you sit and do your bass over the top then we'll put the guitars you know and it gets pieced together like a jigsaw so I don't know.
1: I don't know. I might be. I, I think um, also with this album, s- similarly to their first albums, I think that Smelly really shines through here, and I oh think yeah, yeah, really keeps all of this together. And I tend to find when No Effects are in their like rawest form, so like you know, liberal animation and uh, EPs like this, where they're just playing it nice and quick and getting it out there, I, I think that you really, really notice the strength and um sturdiness of um eric
0: sandin behind the kit yeah absolutely agree it's I, and i think he is that magic ingredient that no matter what else is going on the drums are not faltering yeah he is so rock steady whatever is going on he will make it fantastic absolutely really really make it work and yeah so i would i would absolutely recommend both of these if you're already a fan you can find most of it on the 45 or 46 songs uh comp which mm-hmm. is uh, an interesting one there's a lot of um yeah a lot of the ones from the uh from the the seven inches that they do and, and stuff like that they had um you know i don't think any of the seven inch of the month club stuff came up on it but um outside of that i think basically yeah i think the Timmy the turtle as well which is uh one from about mostly one from 1999 that's just a two song one as well uh which is also sung by duncan from snuff which is really funny they <laughs> decided to do that but anyway sorry getting get, getting off the topic so yeah i think i think if i had been around at the time, I was around at the time. But if I'd been in a place where I was getting the No Effects releases as they were released, yeah. And I got Punk and Oh, i got Ho Effects, then Punk and Drublik, mm-hmm. I'd be like, "Whoa, what is this?" And then the next thing I heard was Heavy Petting Zoo. Mm-hmm assuming I feel the same way about those two records as I do now, yeah, I think if I were to see a new 7-inch by NoFX, that was probably, what, five bucks? Mm-hmm. You know? And think, well, let's see. I'd pick it up. And if I got that, I'd feel quite confident about the next release. Yeah. If you see what I mean, sort of whatever, whatever heavy petting zoo was for me, I think fuck the kids would probably restore a bit of confidence in me. I don't know about you.
1: No, definitely. I completely agree. And I think it, it adds a little bit of context to heavy petting zoo. Mm. I also think that listening to these two. I kind of appreciate how no effects don't do the same thing twice because following the success of punk in I think it would have been really easy for them to go, Oh, okay. We've, we've made a successful album. Let's mm. do more of this. Let's really lean into this sound. Let's, um, take it to an, an extreme and they don't do that. They, they back away and they do this. They do fuck the kids, which is like, um, so different, you know, like, uh and, and Heavy Petting Zoo, so different, you know, from yeah. the approach to Punk and Drublick. But then, like, this feels, I, I know this is rough around the edges, like Heavy Petting Zoo, but it is still very different to Heavy Petting Zoo, you know, like the, yeah. the immediacy of, of of this EP. Um, yeah. And that's what I really appreciate with No Effects, you know, like they're just not doing the same thing twice.
0: No, there are plenty of bands out there mm. that find a sound and go with it.
1: Yeah, I mean and, and there's you know, still bands that are like dining out on a sound they found in the 80s, 90s, 70s.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um and and it's
1: almost like actively sabotage that.
0: Yeah, I suppose um I I supp- Mike appears to be someone who gets bored very easily.
1: <laughs> what do you think?
0: Yeah, 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 a little bit. But do you know what I mean, you know, yeah. it, it, and so and and I think and, and he he wants to develop as a songwriter, you know, like in Dinosaurs Will Die, he talks about make records that have more than one good song. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's like, well, I'll just use the, the best songs I have at the moment. And I suppose if you're wanting to write a song in twenty minutes, that's not going to be a five or six minute long song, is it? <laughs> that's <laughs> you, the point. That's gotta be if you wanna be able to go through it ten times, that's gotta be less than two minutes.
1: Yeah, and I think there's something about you know, let let's not forget you know, NoFX's arguably most famous song, Linoleum, is uh, you know, it's a, it's a verse and a bridge without a chorus. Yeah, um, and it's just it's just how they roll sometimes. Like you don't need to um, sweat and labor over something for weeks, days, months to make it um, you know good art. Yeah.
0: Well, that, apparently, l- Linoleum was a mistake as well. Um, oh. It w- Mike was trying to go from E major to A minor and uh, went from open E up to A minor at the fifth fret, missed and hit G sharp minor at the fourth fret and went, that interval sounds interesting mm. and started playing with that. Oh, wow. So, um, because a lot of no effects riffs do sound like they're mistakes. They do sound like they were yeah. aiming for a different one. And I really like that because it it very much thumbs its nose at what the concept of a sort of a cool riff is, I guess.
1: And I think by the time they have El Jefe in the band, who is obviously, you know, um, musically knows what the fuck he's doing, I think yeah. they get a better understanding of that. Because I think No Effects have always sounded a little wrong, a little incorrect, like you've said. Mm-hmm. But then, like, there's this understanding of how to make that That wrongness sound right. It's the
0: uh, it's that Les Dawson thing for those who are young, young or uh, not from the UK. Les Dawson was a a wonderful uh, comedian uh, from the north of England, and one of his shticks was playing the. He was a brilliant pianist, Mm -hmm. but he would play these songs, and he'd like turn to the camera like Liberace and give a wink. And as he gave a wink, he would hit a bum note but he would hit the perfect bum note. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yep. it's not about playing the wrong note, it's about playing the right wrong note. Yeah. And no effects have got a lot of right wrong notes. Yeah. the are playing all the right code, notes, but not necessarily in the right order. Which is more and Wise. Good God, this is a vintage uh, comedy episode. <laughs> um, we're going to finish this one. It's going to be like the end of Open All Hours. We go, it's been a f- 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 funny all day. Um <laughs> <laughs> doing the shop at the end um so, <laughs> ah good um those of you who weren't uh, alienated by a heavy petting zoo episode and just being alienated by the references in this one uh <laughs> cool now um yeah so i i think it's a uh, i think this would be a sort of a beacon of hope that no effects weren't going down a road that i didn't particularly care for
1: yeah, I think, you know, the basics are all here. And I think there's a lot of bands who rest on all of the the, the fancy stuff that they can use in the studio, you know, and rely on that. Yeah. And here, it's just basics, and it's still good. And I think that that is a sign that the foundations of no effects are sturdier than most live acts out there.
0: Yeah, you can... You could drop no effects in a very basic bare bones analog tape recording studio. Yeah. And something cool would come
1: out of it. Absolutely. And that is a band like not forgetting their roots. This is like where they've come from. And now, you know, uh, 15 years into their career or so, they're still like they still know how to do, do the basics. And I think a lot of artists forget the basics and start relying on, you know, fancy studio shit.
0: Yeah, all that writing in the studio, where mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know how many of them just go right. Well, I've got that verse. We'll just cut the copy and paste that one in, like that. And, and you which know, is like- fine. Which is fine if you are doing demos and stuff. If you are mm-hmm. if you are writing a song, if you are making a demo, and you are sort of going, okay, right, I've got that bit. Okay, dum dum dum, that's going in there. Um, and you take that to, to your bandmates and go, right, we need to learn this, and then yeah. you learn it as a three, four, five piece band or whatever just by doing that you'll naturally make changes it will you'll make things that well, and then you go in and then record that that's that's all cool it's when people go into the studio and just sort of go okay right um I've played the bass riff once okay right put that in eight times it's sort of you can tell and it sounds sounds boring
1: yeah absolutely and I think that You know, a lot of bands uh, write stuff and the intention is that that will always be an album track. It will never be played live because in a lot of cases they can't play it live. And even in the cases when North X do do that, they still Mm. work out a way of playing it live. I mean, we've just seen them in Leeds, uh, Mm. USA Holes, which is uh, (laughs) what they described as the hardest song they play live. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't think they had really been playing it live. I don't think they played it live off the back of Wolf in Wall's Clothing. No. But they have learnt it now for their latest tour. So, like, even the ones that yeah. sound... You, you, using their mate from Goldfinger. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> using all the tricks they can. But, but, but hey, it these... worked. It sounded great. Absolutely. Even these unplayable songs, they, they work out a way of playing them when other lesser bands just wouldn't.
0: They they found... they. They have played the decline consistently live. Yeah. And loads lots of bands would just go, one, they just go, We're not taking twenty minutes out of our sets <laughs> yeah. to do that. And uh, you know, the audacity. Uh and um and the other is um, that's a lot though, isn't it? It's like, well, is it? The, mm. the, but they've they managed to consistently put that in the middle of sets. I'm not even finishing with the decline. Yeah. You know, you'd think that that would be the um, the encore or, or whatever. Not that they do encores particularly, but you know, the, the, and so and so, the, you know, the yeah, you find a way of doing it live. You know, they did um, the uh, um, for the decline, or, or was it in different drum? Yeah, uh, they basically said to El Hefe, "Can you play the trombone?" And he said, "I don't know." So they bought him a trombone, and he could play it. <laughs> and so that he uses that for the end of the the decline the uh the horn part on that and uh and the march to a beat of an indifferent drum uh they did the sort of the reggae version that he sings and plays the uh trombone on it is a valve trombone not a slide trombone so a oh. little bit different but um it is just uh it's just fuck where they're just like can you play the trombone he's like i don't know well here like, oh yeah apparently i can't <laughs> pretty cool um but that's that's the thing they they find a way to do it and and i think that that is really really cool there are some songs which they're probably not going to play live just because they're like when is that ever going to replace the bruise in the set list you know but you want to put in some of your new ones i mean we got a we got a new song at leeds we got the uh i love you more than i hate me yes which is not my favourite from those uh, single and double album, but um, I, I prefer, their song, like, it's their gig. They can play what they like.
1: I prefer, there's a similar song. I well, I feel like it's a similar song on First Ditch Effort. I quite like, um, um, oh, what is it? um I Don't Like Me Anymore.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a really yes. good song. Yeah, and that's got a cool keyboard riff on it as well. Yes. Um, yes. Well, I, it's a bit of a shorter episode today, but uh, you know that's how it goes sometimes. But that was um, that was "Fuck the Kids" and, and how it Any
1: standout tracks on "Fuck the Kids" for you?
0: I'm not going to include the ones that end up on so long because they yeah. are pretty much head and shoulders better than all of these. I, like, I really like "Reagan Sucks," sure, um, and uh, "Stranger Than Fishing. I yeah. like that one too. Yeah, I think those are those are my two favourites on this. I what like. Please you? stop
1: fucking my mom. That is a
0: good one. Yeah. Um, I
1: think Two on Glue has some really needlessly cool drums on it. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, the fact that Eric Sandin finds a way to show off on this
0: album <laughs> is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, but again, that that guy can never be overstated. How how good he is, or how important he's been, yeah, to punk in general. Oh, should should make a little note on the artwork. Uh, yes. What's quite funny is is that um, the artwork, uh, the when No Effects released uh, the PMRC can suck on this a long time before this. Propagandy released a seven inch called "How to Clean" a couple of things related to the "How to Clean Everything." <laughs> Uh, and they took the artwork from the PMRC can suck on this and pasted some of their own shit over the top, and went <laughs> and um, and put propaganda over No Effects, like just glued it on and stuff. Ha 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 ha! Very funny. For fuck the kids, No Effects took the artwork from How to Clean a Couple of Things and put some of their stuff on top of that, <laughs> so they've got. Three, there's three EP covers in one EP cover on that one, so that's kind of fun. When uh, propaganda and no effects were uh, a lot closer as uh, bands,
1: yes, because I believe they go through a turbulent time around war on terrorism.
0: Oh, for a long time. Well, um, I think uh, is it one-celled creature is uh, is about uh, which is on wolves. I think is uh, about propaganda. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I think propaganda have much more of a sense of humour than a lot of people give them credit for. Sure. And so I think it might be a bit tongue in cheek. It might be a little bit. I don't know. I've not gone into it enough. We should. We'll. Uh, we're going to be uh, asking the uh, the propaganda ambassador from uh, the unscripted moments uh, a podcast about propaganda. Uh, to uh, join us on this uh, for an episode and oh, we great. can really really get to the bottom of what these two think of one another mm-hmm. um so yeah and you just need to uh iron out a few um calendar issues and uh hopefully we can settle that once and for all uh i don't think we'll bother with an outro today we're uh we're pretty much set on uh on what we got i think
1: yeah absolutely i mean you know in in the in the um style of fuck the kids you know we've we've just rocked up we've uh chucked it down on tape and we're just going to throw it
0: out there onto the internet absolutely what uh what you don't know is is that we leave just enough space for a sting when we go we'll join you in the main body of the episode we just stop <laughs> and then start again so uh there's <laughs> no pausing or anything we've not moved into a different room which is the impression i get a lot of podcasts want you to think. Oh, we're just hanging out in the kitchen doing an intro. We're just going to walk into the uh, main studio for the, uh, for the body of it all. What... <laughs> Come on, guys. You've, you've barely swiveled your chair. Um, so anyway, um, lovely. If you have uh, any feelings on how effects or fuck the kids, at gmail.com, Follow us on Instagram. Uh, tell people about it. Let people know uh, because we'd love more people to hear about it if you think they'd be down. Absolutely. So, thank you very much, Red. Thank you, Eddie. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Punk Rock Elite. It was a pick, scraped, and fruitcake co-production by Eddie French and Red Redmond. If you're not following us on Instagram or subscribe to the podcast, please do. The main theme and production was done by Eddie French. Please contact us at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you.